0: welcome back to aunt annie's cafe as usual i hope you have your favorite beverage in your hand and you're all sit at all comfortable like and listening to the fourth episode of my podcast i appreciate you guys hanging in there and i'm trying the best i can to present you stories that invoke the imagination. So, this is just one. There's murder, mystery, and hopefully you guys will have a fun time listening. Not all was peaceful in Sunset Valley. There were a few foods going on. For example, there were three dry goods stores in town Christensen's Mercantile, Godfrey's General Store, and Ahmed's Imports. I'm going to tell you about Christensen's first. Christensen's was the typical store. They sold anything and everything from farm implements, household goods, fabric, buttons, to bulk food items like flour. Yeast, salt, coffee, tea—basically, whatever you couldn't grow or can off the farm. Godfrey sold the same thing, but different brands. So, like, if Christensen's sold Jello, Godfrey sold Royal. Christensen's ordered through John Deere, Godfrey's ordered through Case. Ahmed's was just a little bit more specialty. He dealt in imports from Asia and the Middle East. If you were looking for something a little extra, that's where you'd go. Like silk fabric, imported spices, like five star, allspice, vanilla beans, Madagascar cinnamon, which Annie loved for her cinnamon rolls. Mr. Ahmed would claim that he personally went over to pick up your order, and that was just to annoy Mr. Christensen to no end. Between the three stores, there was a publicly known feud between Ahmed's and Christensen's. Gottfried's claimed they were Switzerland. They didn't want to get involved. One time, Mr. Christensen followed Mr. Ahmed to San Francisco. He waited for Mr. Ahmed for the only boat going to Japan that week. Mr. Ahmed didn't show up. Mr. Christensen hired a private detective to follow and find Mr. Ahmed. By the time Mr. Christensen made it back to Sunset Valley, there were two telegrams waiting for him at the station, both from the detective. The detective found Mr. Ahmed at an import shop at Fisherman's Wharf in San Francisco and ended up following him to Los Angeles to an import shop there. But here's the plot twist. Items that Mr. Ahmed claimed were from Asia were really from Mexico. That really got Mr. Christensen's goat. When Mr. Ahmed got back, he reformulated his business plan. He also started selling the same items as Mr. C. The exact same brands, but cheaper. Mr. Ahmed followed out that Mr. Christensen had followed him out, and that was his revenge. He was undercutting Christiansen Mercantile by 50%, and using his imports to make up the difference. After a few months, Mr. C. could see the decrease in his books. This was his catalyst for the plot for murder. In town, there was a tavern next to Annie's Cafe. It was called the Courthouse. House. The courthouse got its name because the first few years in Subset Valley, the circuit judge would come through every few months and hold court there. Even when City Hall was built with four courtrooms, the name stuck. Now there was a certain man by the name of Webster Sanchez. He was a local farmer, but he had a taste for alcohol. He set up his own moonshine still— But Webster ended up burning down his house, barn, and losing most of his 600-acre operation to the fire. Webster was definitely the town drunk. He would drink his sorrows away. There was a standing agreement that the sheriff made with Webster. When the tavern closed, Webster was to leave the keys of the tavern, walk, sometimes with assistance, to the jail. And sleep off the effects. When the tavern opened, Webster could collect his keys and drive home. There was a few times Webster forgot to drive and didn't work out too well. Sometimes Mr. Ahmed would join Webster for a belt or two or three or four. Mr. Christensen, along with most of the town folk, knew this. Mr. Christensen spent more than a few sleepless nights hatching the perfect plan. It only took a few nights to execute this plan. A few days later, Webster went to get his car from where he'd parked it. He got his keys from the regular spot at the tavern. He tried to start it, but it just wouldn't start. Webster checked the battery, cables, wires, anything he possibly could, but the car just wouldn't start. He walked a couple of streets down to the repair shop, and Jacob, Annie's brother, who was the mechanic on site, followed Webster back to the car. Jacob walked around to the passenger side and found a tuft of brown black hair, some blood, and a human head-sized dent on the front fender. Jacob told Webster to help him push the few streets to the repair shop. By the time, got, by the time they got there, the sheriff was already there. Everyone at the tavern last night could vouch for Webster and Mr. Ahmed sharing a bottle of Amber Delight, a.k.a. tequila. Webster lost the bet between the two and had to eat the worm. The barkeeper, they called him Henry, did confirm Webster hung his keys on the peg next to the register as usual. Henry also mentioned a few nights ago the keys went missing, but only for an hour or so. Henry heard Webster leave his keys when Henry was in the kitchen, cleaning. When he went to go get the glasses from the bar, the keys weren't in the normal spot. The key also had a green goo on it. That same morning, Mrs. Wellington went to retrieve her wash from the line and discovered a body in the middle of the street. She called the sheriff, and it was apparent that he was hit by a car. The sheriff could identify Mr. Ahmed's body. The sheriff went to the repair shop, as it was the only repair shop in town, to see if a car was brought in with fender damage. Deputy Oswald poured a plaster into the tire treads of the scene of the crime, and when compared to the tread of Webster's car, they were a match. Jacob pointed out the tuft of hair, the blood splatter, and the dent. The sheriff walked Webster back to jail. "'I didn't hear anything during the night,' said Mrs. Wellington. "'I had been up most of the night because Daniel is teething and is quite fussy.' Mrs. Wellington told the sheriff the same thing. As the girls walked back to the café, they had to walk past Christensen's mercantile. The girls heard some gleeful sounds coming from the store. Dora stopped in. "'Dora is really good at playing the ditzy blonde.' She grabbed a a grape knee-high and walked to the counter. She cleared her throat to get Mr. Christensen's attention. "'What are you gloating about?' asked Dora. "'The dirty bird is dead,' said Mr. Christensen. "'Dirty bird?' "'Oh, you mean Mr. Ahmed?' asked Dora. "'Yes, him,' sputtered out Mr. C. "'He's been doing dirty business since he got back, "'and it looks like he got his just rewards.' Dora paid a quarter for the drink, and she mentioned how she would miss the Madagascar cinnamon in Annie's cinnamon rolls as she walked out. Dora reported her findings to the other two. Annie commented on the known feud between Mr. Christensen and Mr. Ahmed. We're looking into it, said Deputy Oswald, standing behind Annie. That feud had been public knowledge for quite some time. Jacob came into the café looking for Oswald. Jacob had performed a thorough cleaning on the ignition to see if that was the reason why it wouldn't start. The whole key tumbler was filled with green wax. Fanny, who had met with Henry and knew that there was a green compound on Webster's keys, wondered out loud if anyone made an impression and used Webster's car, apparently to run down Mr. Ahmed. Fanny also had the idea to run across the street to her depot. Her dad was upstairs napping, and she quickly found the manifest for the past month. Besides the usual weekly order for Mr. Ahmed, there was a couple of orders from Sears that came in from Chicago. There was a crate that looked mighty peculiar, and it was a COD, or cash on delivery, to a Mr. Amos P. Spear. It was signed for and paid for by one Donald Christensen. The packing list included a machine to cut keys with and a carton of green wax. Deputy Oswald was just finishing up his meal when Fanny ran back across the street with the suspicious manifest in hand. Fanny was out of breath when she put the paper down in front of the deputy. "'Fanny Broadhinder!' exclaimed Deputy Oswald." "'What did I say about you jumping in official police matters?' "'Well, it's the only exercise I get,' teased Fanny. "'But this couldn't be a coincidence. "'Everybody knows how Mr. Christensen despised Mr. Ahmed since he got here. "'How Mr. Ahmed started offering the exact same thing Christensen's mercantile had to offer, "'but cheaper as well, and using the import sales to make up the difference.' How else do you explain Annie's cinnamon rolls going from fifty cents to two dollars? Annie was curious to find out why Mr. Christensen would use an alias to order a key cutter when the hardware store had one. The foul-up is what Mr. Christensen signed and paid for by check. Everyone and their kids knew Webster had a place to hang his keys at the courthouse. Anyone could have gotten them and drove the car, but there is the green wax and the keys, so an impression was made. Annie thought a spare key was made, and that she bet a dozen of Annie's donuts and a dozen of spudnuts. nuts. On top of those that the key cutters in Mr. C.'s procession had green wax in it. Just then the sheriff walked into the café. Oswald, I want you to see if there's any unusual orders in the past month that Broadhinder might have a manifest for. Fanny just snickered. Oswald told Sheriff what Fanny was snickering about. Dad, come at Fanny, explained the Sheriff. Fanny cut the Sheriff off. If you told me once, you told me a billion times, stop interfering with investigations. But jumping to conclusions is the only exercise I get, she told the Sheriff. The sheriff and Oswald went to Christensen's mercantile. Mr. C. wasn't there, but Mrs. C. was tending the shop, and they asked to see the new key cutter. "'You can just take it,' said Mrs. C. "'It's not needed. "'People already go to the hardware store for keys. "'Nobody here knows how to cut keys anyway.' When the sheriff and Oswald took a look, there was uh, several miscut keys laying around in various piles but most had the same pattern cut, just not in the right places. In the dust-catcher, there was most definitely a green wax shaving in the tray. This doesn't look good, remarked the sheriff. Mrs. Christensen, where's your husband now? asked the deputy. He's upstairs taking a nap. He hasn't slept well for the last few months. Doc Nichols gave him some pills to help him sleep this morning, replied Mrs. C., We'll be back to see him in the morning, said Oswald. The sheriff and Oswald walked to the jail. That's where Dora found them. She told them about the earlier experience with Mr. Christensen and how happy he seemed how the dirty bird was gone. Oswald made a note of it. The next morning, the sheriff was waiting at Christensen Mercantile to open. Mr. C. just opened after 9 a.m., and by 9.15, Mr. C. was in custody. At the jail, Oswald was in charge of the investigation. "'Why did you do it, Don?' asked the deputy. "'The dirty bird was undercutting me by 50%. "'I couldn't let it go without a fight. "'The stuff Tom was selling wasn't even exactly what it said it was. "'It wasn't Asian at all. "'Why did you pick Webster Sanchez to take the fall? "'He's a non-drunk, and if I could stage it just so, "'Sanchez could get out in a few years on good behavior.' "'Well, walk me through the plan," Don,' said the deputy. "'Please?' "'As you know, I followed Tom to San Francisco a few months back. "'Mr. Christensen explained how tore up he was after finding out "'the imports were Mexican and not Asian. "'Then Mr. Ahmed started undercutting my store when he got back. "'I couldn't take the loss. "'I thought if it looked like Sanchez did it, "'no one would suspect me of anything.' I confess, I took the keys from the tavern and pressed them in the wax, tried to make the copy the best I could, and that night everything aligned, and I killed Tom, I killed the dirty bird. The sheriff took Mr. Christensen to Ellsworth for trial. He was convicted of vehicular manslaughter first degree, and his sentence was twenty years at Clarinda Correctional Facility. After the trial, Mrs. Christensen sold every everything to Godfrey's general store and moved to Chicago with her sister. The storefront sent vacant until the building was torn down. Oswald did pay Fanny the one dozen donuts with the one dozen spud nuts as agreed upon. Fanny took the delicious morsels to school, where she taught kindergarten through eighth grade in the one-room schoolhouse. Dora kept the empty bottle of soda on the mantle. Occasionally, it held a daisy or a vase. There was no sense taking the bottle back for five cents if the store was closed. Webster continued to recover and soon found a new wife, and he turned dry completely. Stay tuned for the next episode. Oh, yeah. If you want the recipe for Annie's Donuts and Spud Nuts, leave me a message. I'll tell you how to get it. So I hope you enjoyed a little bit of history on an adventure of Annie and Sunset Valley. The next episode is about the founding of Sunset Valley and Founder's Day and what it typically looked like. So stay tuned for next week's episode. And thank you and good night from Sunset Valley.